You're listening to a podcast from the Media Motel. Coming up this week in episode 514, Clarkson's Farm on the tractor with Jeremy and Caleb. What's the point of Channel 4? And 25 years of girl power. That's all coming up after Paul McCartney and Junior's Farm.
This was released as a non-album single immediately after the enormous success of Band on the Run. And it's interesting how the albums and singles from that period are now referred to generally as Paul McCartney. The passage of time means we now seem to drop the idea of wings altogether, it seems. So from 1974, number 16 in the UK, number three in the States, Paul McCartney and Junior's Farm. I enjoyed that very much. You can never have too much Paul McCartney in my view. Welcome to episode 514 of the Parish Council. I'm Terence Stackham and Juliet's still gleaming. It's Juliet <laughs> Harris. Jules Harris still gleaming. Yes. yes, indeed. That is that is me. Who knows if it's coming home or not? By the time some people hear this, we will yeah. know the, the result of the of the football match. But nonetheless, to while away, as my friend put it, God, it's such a long day today. There's so much we've yes. got to, you know, we've got so much time to while away. So it's a pleasure to while the time, at least an hour of the time away with you and our listeners. Hello. That's very kind. Um, Jeremy Clarkson. Mm. tedious sort of bloke (laughs) i've little or no interest in what goes on under the bonnet or hood of 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 a car Mm. so all chatter about horsepower and and also speeding around some track at dunsfold aerodrome has never really engaged with me um clarkson's only appeared for me when every year or so he says something outrageous in the press when Mm. he has a new book to plug but then we kept hearing from people whose opinions are trusted and respected. Or you mm. must watch Clarkson's Farm on Amazon Prime. And this is a reality show on Amazon. Clarkson bought uh, about a thousand acres in the Cotswolds in 2008. And following the retirement of the bloke who ran it for him, decided to farm it himself. Um, camera team in tow. Uh, Jules, we watched season one, episode one, Tractoring. Well, I have to say, so I have no time for Jeremy Clarkson at all, much like you. And I started watching it because, because I, I'd like to do what you told me to, Terence. So you told me we were going to watch good, it. So good, I started good. watching this. And I have to say, I couldn't stop watching it to the point where I am probably going to watch the, the rest of the series. It was ridiculously watchable. At first, I found Clarkson's presenting style to be deeply vexing, <laughs> deeply shouty. I don't know to what extent this is contrived. I suspect this is heavily contrived. But where I did find myself with a sneaking admiration for Jeremy Clarkson is that he was often a complete idiot in this. He made the wrong decisions. <laughs> he would not listen to people that told him. He ended up with a tractor that was too big for the farm. And there was a very amusing kind of motif where every person he met kept saying that tractor's quite big isn't it and he got increasingly (laughs) irate at his Lamborghini tractor which of course he bought because it was a Lamborghini there was some irony in the fact that he bought it from Europe and then when it went wrong him and him and his farming colleague nothing was written in English everything was written in French or German and they couldn't or Italian they couldn't work out what was going on I, I very much enjoyed this because I sensed that he could laugh at himself, which I hadn't expected of Jeremy Clarkson. None of that was edited out. He was he was happy to look a complete fool most of the time. He didn't do what people told him to, and then it would go wrong. And to be fair, he would usually express regret at having behaved in the way that he did before then doing the same thing about 15 minutes later into the programme. The, the thing that really made this programme, I think, 
were the excellent cameo appearances yes. from the people that were attempting to help him with the farm. The land agent, Charlie, I thought was extremely wry in how he, you know, he, he was genuinely very helpful. And what was very telling was that although Clarkson was frequently a bit of an idiot, people seemed to genuinely try and help him rather than necessarily, you know, sort of eye rolling, which they very easily could have done. I suspect they might have done that off camera. There was a woman they sent from the farmer's union who was <laughs> excellent to the point where she admitted at the end having teased him about the tractor that she actually quite liked it and of course the real star of the show i hope you'll agree with me terence is a uh, caleb cooper the, um, the 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 uh, local lad who had previously been involved in the farm so what had happened was that Far clarkson employed a farmer for some years and uh, the farmer was retiring and so clarkson decided he would take it over it was quite sweet the joy at which he uh, he seemed to enjoy as he put it i'm doing farming farming is happening he seemed to he did enjoy that a great deal but Caleb was I suspect the breakout star simply Very because much. he was a, a 20 year old was about to turn 21 had never be, only went to London once on an art trip didn't get off the coach it was too busy seemed to be very content in just living you know a sort of a life he would go to Banbury if he desperately needed something but otherwise his life was stripping Norton and I, I I liked him because he very easily could have could have sneered at Clarkson all the time and didn't. The two of them had a had an absolute had had a real laugh. I thought I I really enjoyed this simply because Clarkson didn't take himself too seriously. Um, I I the the, the cameo appearances from 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 the gang of people that were attempting to help him were great. Him going to the to the tractor auction and the equipment auction and and again not listening to what he was told. <laughs> in terms of how much he would pay to his stuff. I never, I mean, I get the impression that, that I mean, of course, the part of the storyline to this was that he had somehow managed to pick the worst year ever to start farming because he was trying to drill crops and it rained for about six weeks nonstop to the point where he was angrily pointing at farmers' magazines and saying that all they were talking about was how badly it had rained. So I, I really enjoyed this. I'm very much looking forward to the next episode, which is him trying to run sheep. I cannot see that ending well. I mean, you don't know to what all of these things are heavily edited, they're heavily drive they want to tell a narrative story but having said that i found his shouty presenting i just got used to it after yeah. half an hour i really enjoyed this i thought it was hilarious i think the fact that he was able to buy a thousand acres in the cotswolds near chipping mm. norton must speak volumes about the millions amassed mm. by the top gear franchise worldwide until he biffed producer yes. watching tim on that time um despite this appearing to be at least semi-scripted as you say or at least stage reality tv yeah um I absolutely loved it like you. I know um, it's his trope, but Clarkson's, well, what, what can I say? It's a laconic sarcasm yes. that made me laugh out loud more than <laughs> once. And of course, the scene stealer and absolute star of the show, uh, as again, you mentioned Caleb Cooper, born to play this role, except he's not an actor. This is the real Caleb. And yes. I, I really, uh, reviewing some of Clarkson's tractor work, Caleb says with it with a sort of great elan, that's as straight as a roundabout. Um, <laughs> you know, for a young man, he just comes up with all these little epigrams. Um, yeah, other people who drift in and out are equally marvellous, as you said, Charlie Ireland, the land agent, and advising a well-sown is 
half grown mm. and um, Clarkson not paying any attention uh, and the glamorous union representative um, uh, and uh, I'll go and light a brazier says Clarkson which I thought was a great line for <laughs> oh, the wait, wait, then of course she turns out she's not a woman she's not a bloke in a donkey jacket no, it's I loved his woman. line about um, the diverse Amazon wants us to be, this to be as diverse as possible and this auction is diverse because there's every type of 60 year old white yes. man in the world here I thought that was yes. that was very knowing and very good I also enjoyed the a very brief appearance from his eye-rolling girlfriend who uh, <laughs> sort of literally had one line where she walked in he bought a tractor that was literally too big for the shed and she just sort of wandered past and went oh it's too big and then just went indoors he was trying to stay, I love the fact he was trying I think to still talk to her and she just shut the door and went in the kitchen I, I enjoyed her I think she was called Lisa her very brief yes. appearance uh, my my favourite scenes actually were when Clarkson went to that farm sale mm. and you know he sort of bewilderedly asked you know what is everything and um, <laughs> he decides that all the farm machinery is hundreds of different ways to kill yourself. Um, <laughs> no, I wasn't sure what to expect from the show, but I really enjoyed every moment of it. Um, I'm pleased to see a second season has co- been commissioned. Mm. I immediately binge watched about another three episodes, so I'm halfway through season one. I will one, be but doing so. I think it looks all. Amazing. Eight episodes of season one of Clarkson's Farm are on Amazon Prime and it's highly recommended. Yes, I, I, I mean, the fact that it has got past my defences means it must be pretty good. Coming up next, the highs and lows of Channel 4. That's right after the House Martins. Me and the farmer get on fine. Through stormy weather on bars of wine. If I pull my way, the chimney well. But if I'm late, he'll get Getting out of hand and blister me 
eagle-eared listeners will note that Terence and I tried to do some programming around that, <laughs> some production around the fact we've been talking about Clarkson's Farm. That is a jangle pop treat. I have a friend that absolutely loathes the House Martins oh. to the point where you mention you mention just the name. And I, we we think that there might have been some sort of bad experience or something that we're not sure about because it is like she's like a Vietnam veteran about them. She has this kind of she goes instantly into these kind of terrible flashbacks. I'm not really sure what happened with her and the House Martins, but anyway, I think that is a complete treat. I could have also have picked sheep for the by the House Martins for the second episode yes. of, of Clarkson's Farm, but uh, sounds like they were very very agricultural f- friendly. But that was um, a jungle pop treat of the House Martins and me and the farm. They had a very short spell at the top, didn't they? But I remember feeling mm. that they were really something special at the time. And as you say, it's a jangly pop, lovely merging of jangly pop and sort of gospel in their career. Mm. Brilliant house, Martin. The TV station Channel 4, uh, never it seems too far away from controversy and political wrangling since its launch in autumn of 1982 and throughout its almost 40 years on air in the UK, it's always had a rather leftish feel to it, Mm. regularly running shows or series looking at issues of potential inequality and injustice. Uh, Controversy, as I say, never far away. Some would say it strays into slanted and biased output. Others would salute its bravery at tackling previously under-publicised issues. Some of its broadcasting has undoubtedly broken across boundaries and helped understanding of issues of um, sexual preferences, gender issues, many so-called adult themes. But also, I think it is fair to accuse it of televising ill-judged programmes with shows mm. like The Word and some scenes of Big Brother with uh, with uh, racism involved, Shul Pachetti and so on. And also a live autopsy in 2002 was perhaps it's not its greatest hour, but it survives and seems to have a place cemented in the schedules. Uh, Channel 4 arrived in the world only a couple of years before you, Jules. Um, have you have you grown up together in harmony? Mostly, yes. It's interesting. I didn't really have a problem with the live autopsy stuff so much. I thought that was actually quite an interesting pushing of the envelope. Mm. I, I admire Channel 4 a great deal. It's been easy to admire and difficult to like at times. I think that's probably a fair description. The thing that I do really like about it, well, I sort of grew up, one of my first TV memories is a trans world sport at six o'clock in the morning on Channel 4. And actually, I think the Channel 4 is really good at showing unusual stuff that you wouldn't see elsewhere, Um, like the live autopsy. it, It does well when it tries to break ground, I think. It doesn't do so well when it tries to replicate its previous success I think so the first series of Big Brother genuinely innovative and groundbreaking television and then all of a sudden it started to become a race to the bottom which Channel 4 I think they lost sight of what is innovative and what is cheap bandwagon chasing I don't I I think there is a line which they crossed over in its I say in its heyday it still is capable of, of, of bringing us great programs and surprises its investment in uh, international drama, I think, is great. And you say, did I grow up with Channel 4? Yes, yes. a lot of its nine o'clock comedies, nine o'clock on a Friday evening, were essential watching for me. And of course, Channel 4, again, I suspect they weren't very expensive, but it had a, it, it perhaps did culturally change British life in a way, in that it bought cheap imports like Friends, which which of was course, adopted yeah. very much as, as you know, it's an American thing, but, that you know, ver- it might not have aged very well. I think we've had discussions along the 
these lines previously, but I would watch things like Friends, Spaced, which I adore. It was it it brought Ali G on the world for better or for ill with the eleven o'clock show and Ricky Gervais as well. It would take a lot of risks in its comedy um, and produce great sitcoms as a result. I mean, if you go on to all four, you can see things like Green Wing. You can see things like Black books i think they they had some some really edgy oh, yes. edgy stuff on there's they they've shown a lot of uh, fraser as well of course i first saw that on channel four so they they've shown a number of they've bought some excellent things in er all of er is for free on all four at the moment that is my public service announcement it is it's done some incredible things i think i wonder if it's if it's it's days of being an edgy innovator or perhaps towards an end although having said that who who knows but i i, I was also um they had schools programming in the in the mornings i think if it's and we'll go on i think to talk about how mm. channel four operates but i would like to see a return to that sort of thing i i you know I, i'm a big fan of channel four i'm not saying i've agreed with everything that it's ever done but i'm really glad it exists and it has produced some brilliant brilliant programming and i would like that to continue if possible yeah, you reminded me of some shows there, and of course, more for which I, I um, well, all four as it all is four, now. I'm so I sorry, think, all uh, four, yeah, it's on demand. Um, it used to be 4OD, a channel yeah, also it, has yeah. other channels of more about, for. Uh, the, the brilliance it's, that you can find on there, and it's got more for they've got uh, the channels, they've got film for, of course, Channel 4's film arm is, is extremely important. They've also got more for which my friends calls the Grand Designs channel, but they have yes. got all sorts, of, yes, sorts yes. of things on that Channel yeah. 4 plus one. They have an immeasurable yeah. amount of stuff. There was a genuine feel of excitement, I think, when Channel 4 was launched, mm. bearing in mind, of course, we only had three channels back then, so any new output was to be welcomed. And um, shows like Brookside, The Tube, and even Countdown, then a sort of breakfast show for late rising mm. students, really were uh, innovative. Um, however, since then, that word controversy uh, continues to stalk Channel 4. Back in the mid-80s, Mary Whitehouse lobbied uh, mm. advertisers to boycott it, and through... Uh, various chairmen and um, um, channel controllers. That leftish feel has never gone. And over the years, there have been a succession of demands for its funding to be reviewed. Mm. Um, it's a strange situation. Channel 4 is publicly owned, but commercially funded. And many in the current government feel there is a strong case for it to be sold into the private sector. Um, do you think that would be a sensible move to grant it more independence? Not especially, I don't think. And maybe I'm just politically in the wrong place. But part mm. of me, part of me feels that that, and I am not a natural conspiracist or a natural setting on fire of things. But Channel Four News is genuinely excellent and really watchable. And because they give, because they give Channel Four News nearly an hour, it's able to explore issues in greater depth, and it really does grill people. Now, I, you can go too far on that, and I think the constant shout fest that is today on BBC Four, BBC Radio 4 uh, produces more heat than it does light most of the time. But I, on my Channel 4 News, they often quite embarrass, and I say this government, the government of the day, I remember them embarrassing the Labour government. Other mm. people might not, but I feel they did mm. in sort of, you know, the, the, the 97 to 2010 era. And part of me does wonder if this government is coming after it because it is it is making them look silly and or they feel making them look silly mm. and 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 investigating things that would rather not be investigated. Now, I do feel it's interesting, isn't it? I feel that we're in. Well, 
this government is, it would seem, going along the culture war line of narrative and operating. And I find it quite entertaining that people that would accuse me of being a snowflake, of, you know, of holding intractable mm. views on things, on not sort of analysing things, are the very same people who would probably come after Channel 4 because they have embarrassed them about food banks. So I I can understand the, the, the weird dichotomy that is going on. Having said that, though, maybe I don't know all the ins and outs of it, but pardon me, one as if if you're gonna like the BBC if you're gonna start cutting the money back that you give to things don't be surprised if they then try and go along more commercial they have to try and raise more money to keep themselves going which then means they end up in this bind of producing mass entertainment that is perhaps not as not as thoughtful and not as not as as attached to its original really i my view is not necessary my view is is why do you want channel four to be privately owned why don't you want channel four you know to be public anymore is it because they're embarrassing you i i'm a little bit cynical as to why this culture sector secretary in this government is so keen to go after channel four i'm not a fan of particularly commercially funded in this case media being run or controlled by public bodies which mm. is inevitably the government of the day um it doesn't make sense to me um I don't think also it doesn't sit right in a democracy and I I don't see too much um, controversy in putting Channel 4 into the open market rather than saying sort of it being privatised, into the open market and uh, whoever wants to buy it and run it can do so. I, I don't have a huge problem with that. I, 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 I quite like the ideas of public service broadcasters because it, it takes away the commercial it takes away sort of commercial pressures and they and I, I you know they quite often produce programs that you wouldn't find elsewhere you find programs on channel four and the bbc that would not go anywhere near itv true, yeah. which which was once described by a, a former lecturer of mine as so common it gave my daughter head lice which is an incredibly <laughs> snobby line but really one worth repeating, <laughs> i think so 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 i i yeah i see what you're saying but equally it it really will be war to war junk if it if it ends up being owned by somebody private and I and I, I think there there has to be a place for this kind of innovative integral programming and I not, nothing on any of the of the private channels that I watch is anything like that so so it'd be interesting to see what happens but I I think we might lose a lot if it ends up going the way of of ITV. Well, coming right up, twenty five years of girl power, but yeah. <laughs> are women? More empowered in 2021. That's next after Todd Rundgren.
Typical of Todd's unorthodox approach to success, this album, one of, I think one of its greatest, reached 102 in America, didn't chart at all in the UK, then it got deleted and all but forgotten. But it's a fabulous album and Todd's voice has never sounded better. From 1989 and the wonderful album Nearly Human, Todd Rundgren and Parallel Lines. I enjoyed that very much indeed. I'm, I'm under Rundgren compared to you, but I thought that was excellent. Um, the summer of 1996, England in the European football semi-finals with not such a happy outcome as uh, the, the, this last week in which we're recording this. Britpop, Cool Britannia, uh, Tony Blair and a new Labour government just round the corner, Dolly the Sheep, Oasis at Nebworth. And in that summer of 1996, the Spice Girls. Uh, Wannabe goes to number one all over the world and we learn about girl power. Um, the song itself symbolising female friendship and empowerment. And it has to be said that the individual women who were selected to be Spice Girls were chosen mm. brilliantly to, um, at the time, indicate to girls especially that we were all different, but you don't have to conform to succeed and have friends. Um, you were uh, approaching 12 years old in the summer of 96, Jules. Were you out there yearning for a Union Jack dress? Well, inevitably, this is news that will shock nobody that listens to this podcast. Obviously, my favourite was Sporty Spice. I felt that was much more, that was much more my line of dressing. I was not a Union Jack person. I tried not to like the Spice Girls because I very much liked Oasis and Blur and was an indie indie child and and grown up on the Beatles and liked real music. 
the Spice Girls were irresistible. They were this kind of force of nature. And I really liked the fact that they were, you know, that they were unabashed women doing things. They were very distinct personalities. And yes, a lot of it was marketing and selling things, but there was something enjoyably unfiltered about them. They would frequently get into trouble for being ill-behaved on programmes. They were known for working very hard, which I admire. They fitted the moment. The Union Jack stuff fitted fitted the mood. And I do like the fact that, that, that you know, they all had their own sort of look and and that the, they, they were sending a message that, you know, just just kick doors down with your female mates. I think that is a that is a, a, an admirable message. Some of the music is, I think, has stood the test of time. There's an excellent book written by um I think his name might be Sinclair, the former rock editor of the Daily Telegraph, wrote a book about the Spice Girls. I'm just looking up now. I believe it was called Wannabe. That is a really interesting read. I would recommend that. It told the sort of true story. Wannabe, how the Spice Girls reinvented pop fame, book by David Sinclair. It was published in 2004, so it's quite old now. It wouldn't take into account the the sort of reunions and and the Olympics and things like that. But it was an interesting read because it sort of tells the story and the stuff that was going on behind the scenes but I, you know I, I'm, I'm quite pro the Spice Girls and what is so interesting about them is even though you could tell they're very much of their time when I was when we were still allowed to go out and about and DJing and that I have the Spice Girls greatest hits on vinyl simply because I used to get asked for it all the time and the people that would ask me for Spice Girls so you know girls that were going out and parties and things I remember looking at one once and thinking you weren't born when Wannabe came out. You weren't born in the 90s. You know, you're very obviously, you know, 18 or 19. Yet somehow that message had percolated down. I wonder if it was sisters. I wonder in some cases if it was mothers. When we talk about Take That, we've talked about Take That previously and how they were shrewd enough to realise that they've now got a multi-generational fan base because the, the, the mothers take their daughters to see Take That. There's a similar thing with the Spice Girls, actually. And so I... I did find them inspiring. I found them more inspiring as I've got older, actually, just because I can't believe. And it shows how anarchic the 90s were in a way or or rather how people are thinking differently. I can't believe anybody ever allowed it to happen. I can't can't believe that that, that somehow this ragtag group of women, the video for, for Wannabe that is basically them barreling through a hotel causing chaos there was something almost punkish about it in the mm. context of pop music and i, I think you know i'm very pro terence yeah me too i uh, to become one is in my top 10 of all time oh it's marvelous so and you know, it's it, it, it produced by one of the same engineers that did bjork so that's why it sounds ah, so right. so the screams at the end are very forward thinking it's fair to say, as with any youth movement, they come and go, and so did the Spice Girls to a degree. They, they rather did give the impression after a few years that rather being friends forever, one or two could hardly bear to be in the same yes. country as some of the others, never mind the same room or stage. Um, the Girl Power slogan, uh, popularised by the Spice Girls, but already at the time in 1996, 19, uh, very much in existence as related to uh, riot girl punk mm. music, Um as we've been saying, symbolic of the empowerment of women. If we look at the arts, uh, let's think, politics, life in general, 25 years on, has girl power had any lasting influences on the world? I think 
I think it might have done. It's been, I mean, like all things involving women's rights and rights of minorities, it is a very, very slow burn. But I I wonder if it was part of a process that meant that, I mean, there is, there's still so far to go, but the, the, the public dialogues we've been having in terms of Me Too and the, the Sarah Everard story, uh, people are, in, you know, women are empowered now to have these conversations you could argue, you know, how far is the conversation getting us? I don't know. But but I, you know, I, I wonder, I wonder if I think any kind of public conversation and expression about women's rights can and minority rights can 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 get us further forward. So I wonder I wonder if that I wonder if it if there was a germ in the back of women's brains that 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 you know that that, that was there because it was it was a great great way of getting feminism into young women through the back door and I actually thoroughly approve of that I you know maybe uh, should pop group I mean you could you don't have an argument do should pop groups change the world can we dismiss their mm. importance because they haven't changed the world I mean I, I think they had an enormous worldwide impact and that was what was so incredible about the Spice Girls as a British group in that they were really the biggest group since the Beatles when it comes down to it on terms of a worldwide I know that there were there were people that mm. had success since then but in terms of, of British groups that had a world impact, you know, every country in the world would have people in it that knew and heard of the Spice Girls. The, the, the reach that they had over over the over sort of global markets to use the music exec speech, speech was was jaw dropping. And and I you know I wonder if it might not I might not necessarily have inspired women you know to join the Fawcett Society, but but you know I do I do wonder if if their message had an indirect effect of, of making young girls or making it normal for young girls to think and feel that they could that they could do what they wanted and that their gender wouldn't hold them back I I, I wonder if it did have if not a direct impact um, an indirect impact I, I couldn't say for sure but to have that message out there and to have young people consuming it I feel it, it must have some sort of effect surely yeah, I suppose, I suppose the, the UK briefly had a second woman prime minister and the US has a woman vice president mm. now. But I just think as a man, um, I don't see huge advances and women are still, you mentioned the Sarah Ever, Everard case, which mm. horrifying came to a certain conclusion this week as court case in the UK. Um, it still seems to me uh, women are at similar risks on the streets as they have been through history, which is just terrible. Um uh, thanks very much for listening this week. Um, it's good to have you along. I echo the sentiments of my excellent colleague. And a rather intriguing and enticingly sort of hypnotic piece to play us out. Yes, I've been listening to a lot of electronic music over and over again whilst working at home at the moment in an attempt to energise myself and also to have something that's enjoyable to listen to but you don't really have to concentrate on very much. Um, this song I found myself listening to four times in a row the other day <laughs> without really realising that I was doing that and I, I find this enormously energising and inspiring. Uh, inspiring. I think it's got a, a great energy to it i love its playfulness i love the fact that it feels like joy bounding down a hill i think it is it is it is genuinely very entertaining um this uh this is a a, a band called battles i think we might have played ice cream by them previously they produce very entertaining and playful records that are edgy i think but not not you know sort of annoyingly so and i hope that that listeners will take the joy from this this song that i do these are battles and this is atlas
been listening to a Parish Council production.